Welcome to this next episode of Ball Court. And yes, is the NBA grown a little bit upset with the anti-vaxxers? But we'll find out right here on Ball Court. Welcome to this next episode of Ball Court. I am your host, Coach Drew, and this is the world of basketball. And yes, I know it's been a little while since I've been with you, but I am back and I am here and I will be here for a while and I'm consistent. We're going to be here doing our thing. So let me go ahead and jump right into it. First of all, the NBA and the world of basketball has not stopped, even though COVID-19 has still been going. Yes, the world of basketball has still been going too. Now with about 97, 98% of the NBA fully vaccinated, we're looking forward to seeing some great NBA games like we were seeing back in 2019 with a regular schedule, no bubble, uh, people flying in from city to city is going to be absolutely awesome. So it's going to be a little bit like what it was last season, but now it's going to have more fans in the stands. But with our, you know, with COVID-19, we have to be safe. So everybody's been taking their precautions, making sure that they're getting Bluetooth disconnected in the public arena. Because as you all Bluetooth know, there are some states that do have those mandates where unless you are vaccinated, you cannot be in a public setting such of that nature. How does this transfer to basketball? Let me go ahead and explain. Right now, NBA players um, such as like Kyrie Irving, uh, Andrew Wiggins, Bradley Beal have all uh, spoken out against getting vaccinated. Now, I know you're sitting here thinking to yourself, okay, well, that is their choice. The human bodies is, is who they are, but at the same point in time, they are on the contract. Now, somebody like Kyrie Irving, let's go ahead and take his situation. Kyrie Irving has spent media day at home, actually uh, video chatting in on media day because he wasn't able to be in the arena in Barclay, in the Barclay Center during the time of media day since everybody else was there. New York has a mandate that if you are not vaccinated, you cannot be in the building, you cannot be present. So what does that actually hold for Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets? The Brooklyn Nets owners and management is actually going increasingly uh, agitated with Kyrie Irving and the way that he's going about doing things. Uh, as a matter of fact, you have even some of our greats like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He actually spoke out against it. He's saying that, man, these guys are just dumb jobs. They're not reading the science. They're not looking at the information. They're not even doing their own research. They're just coming up with the thought process that due to like what Andrew Wiggins said, religious beliefs, he's not able to go ahead and get this vaccination. Now, that puts him in a very, uh, a very tough position because with, uh, with the way things are going in uh, Golden State, which the new mandate that was just recently passed a few days ago, now, he will not be able to be in the arenas as well. Even though he was able to participate in media day because it was prior to the mandate that was being passed. Now, we can see that there's a trend taking place across the country where these mandates of being in public places, you have to be vaccinated in order to be a part of it. I wonder, how is that going to affect their money? How is that going to affect their cash in the long run? With, uh, with, the Kyrie Irving missing games or missing preseason. And don't get me wrong, 
if he missed a few games during the preseason or missed a little time to work out with the team during the preseason, with the Nets' big three or their level of big three, there is no doubt in my mind that he'll be able to catch up and he'll be able to be full form by season. But the question is, will he have the vaccination by then? Will he be able to do his research and wrap his mind around having that vaccination? Now, we're going to go ahead and talk about LeBron James, you know, because contractually, I have to. I'm just joking. All right, but I'm going to go ahead and jump into LeBron James because he spoke on this fact during media day. He pretty much stated that um, he did what was best for his family and for him. He did the research. He was a little skeptical at first, but he was able to go ahead and do what was best for his family and himself and get the vaccination. Now he's not. Now he clearly go at, He clearly went ahead and uh, stated that he is not throwing anybody on the bus. He's not saying what anybody else should do. He's just basically stating what he did and the reasons why he did it. To me, I find that speaks out a little bit louder. That it speaks out a lot. It speaks out louder to the people who were on the fence, who needed to do their own research. You could see that there is somebody who was in your boat too. Somebody famous that was in your boat that decided, you know what, I got to do what's best for my family. Now, by no means am I saying Bradley Beal and Wiggins should be following suit and just do what's best because they feel that it's best. I definitely feel that they need to do the research and see that this is not something that's going to hurt hurt them. Or hopefully they can see that it's not something that's going to hurt them, as well as it's something that's going to be profitable in the future. So, we have, we always have to look at that, especially when you're missing time with your team due to something of this nature. It can, it can be a little bit of a distraction, but like LeBron said, everybody have their own beliefs, and they need everyone to draw their own conclusions. So, I'm kind of in LeBron's boat on this. I understand why I got the vaccination and why it was uh, positive for my family, and I felt that we needed to do that. But I could clearly see Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, and Andrew Wiggins' point of view. But it does not stop. It does not stop us from looking at them as extremely stupid at this point because they're holding out, withholding information, which they do have the resources as well as financially to go ahead and find this information to sit down and talk to the right people, they have that platform in which they're able to do that, but it seems like they choose not to. So we will have to see how the season plays out for Kyrie Irving, Andrew Wiggins, Bradley Beal, and every other anti-vaxxer that's in the league right now. We want to see exactly how the season is going to work out for them, especially with these new mandates. It's going to be very hard to play a home game when you're not allowed in the arena. So, we're going to go ahead and take a look at that. But let's go ahead and jump on to another player who is sitting out. Yes, Ben Simmons. As we all know, I know you've been listening to the news and see it. It's pretty much plastered everywhere. Ben Simmons and the 76's relationship has soured. He no longer trusts the process, and he's looking to move on. But the 76ers has decided, well, not quite. See, here goes the funny thing about it. I feel like Ben Simmons is doing his best Jane Harden impression, but he's doing it to the wrong person. Because remember, Maori was the one who loved James Harden, was giving James Harden everything, and he was happy when he was there. But he wasn't going to trade him either. So after Maori left, James Harden found out that it was a way to get out. So he went ahead and said that he was going to hold out. 
he showed up from he showed up to training camp a little chubbier, played the game, didn't really look like he was involved in that team. Next thing you know, he has traded, he's on the Brooklyn Nets, big three form, and everything was happy. Now Ben Simmons felt like his preseason was gonna work out pretty similar in that manner. So he did go went ahead and held out. But the Sixers said they did not budget. Here's where we are at this point in the saga. That they're going back and forth about who's he's not gonna play, is he gonna play, what's gonna happen. Right now he decided he's gonna hold he held out. He missed his first paycheck, which is twenty five percent of his uh, actual yearly salary. And that was eight point two five million. So somebody like me and you, $8.25 million is a huge amount. We're probably sitting here thinking to ourselves, why did you do that? What is going on? But you got to understand the level that Ben Simmons is at. First of all, he had a very nice contract prior, not to mention with the lucrative endorsement deals. He's sitting on a good little chunk of change. So at this point in his time, at this point in time in his life, he's not money motivated. He's more or less motivated by being able to do what makes him happy and be around the people that makes him happy. Funny enough, as a regular person, not an NBA superstar, this is normal. This is normal. We do it all the time. People will leave a job or leave a situation that they feel that it is turmoil. And they might lose money doing it. This happens so much. It is extremely frequent. But it doesn't take away from the simple fact that while it is happening, we are losing money. On a different scale, on a different scale, $8.25 million. And you have to understand, once you lose that $8.25 million, it's not coming back. So Ben Simmons has set in his mind that he's willing to take this the long way. Now, there's a possibility, there's a couple of people looking at Ben Simmons like, hey, you know, this, is, this could be something that could be positive for us. But at the same point in time, look at the people who he has left. Now, the whole incident on a whole has been causing some ruffle. You know, he's left Joel Embiid, you know, and Joel Embiid felt like the situation is kind of disrespectful to the team. And I found that he's kind of right at the same point in time. He's saying that I don't want nothing to do with the team due to management. But these are your boys. These are supposed to be your friends. Your team is supposed to have some kind of camaraderie. At least be able to be there with them. Let, they, let them understand your point of view. But he's saying that he wants to be in a team in California. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to have to deal with that anymore. I got it. I got it. But Shaq brings up a great point. Who is going to invest two hundred million dollars into a player that didn't show up for training camp? That is temperamental in that nature. So you're investing in somebody, hoping that you can make them happy. And if you don't make them happy, what then happens? Do you, does he not show up? Is this a bad investment? How can you build a team around a person of this nature? See, when it comes to basketball, the number one ability is availability. That doesn't matter if you can shoot threes if you're never out there. It doesn't matter if you can take the ball to the hole or if, you can command, uh, if you're able to command a presence if you're not out there. Let's take a look at Ben Simmons' first couple years dealing with that foot injury. You know, again, let's take a look at uh, let's say let's take a look at the fact that how he played after the foot injury and all the questions that came up with him hitting three pointers and putting a three pointer. Not to discount anything away from Ben Simmons because he's a phenomenal player. As a matter of fact, one of the best defensive players in the league, 
And at his height, he's a great asset. But when you take a look at character and see what character has uh, actually shown, you you feel a little bit like, how do I build around a gentleman like this? You know? Even with James Harden, you had to wonder, how would you build around him? But watching a team that was actually built around James Harden and how everything was, you could clearly see that, man, it can be done. With Ben Simmons, they tried. They put in pieces. They took away pieces. They drafted people. They did everything they can to put a system around James, uh, around Ben Simmons that was fruitful. As a matter of fact, they got rid of Jimmy Butler. Which, if you take a look in the eyes of a guard, I'd rather have Jimmy Butler than Ben Simmons. Jimmy Butler got that dog in him. He has that fight. He's going to go at you every game. As a matter of fact, he was going at the team. In practice, that's what that's what I feel. That's what every team needs. Every team needs a Kobe that's going to show up at practice and go after them and bark at them. And Jimmy Butler was that guy. As a matter of fact, because of that, Miami was able to go a lot further than they would have if Jimmy wasn't there. Same thing was going to take place in Philadelphia, but they decided to hold on to Ben Simmons and get rid of Jimmy Butler. So a lot of the things on that team, the way that you see that team, the way the team is formulated, it was constructed around making Ben Simmons happy. And, of course, a lot of us, including myself, was just we just wanted him to add a three-point shot. Instead, now he is so unhappy with the situation that he wants to go to another team and have them rebuild around him. I find that to be ludicrous. It's absolutely preposterous that he actually wants this to take place. I am blown by this. I just, me personally, I'd rather him, you know, find a good team that actually wants him to be there. But hands down, what Shaq said is right. Who's going to pay $200,000 for a player that may be unhappy next year and that you might not see any of that money and you're going to have to start taking money back? Ben Simmons, I'm telling you, this is, this is a crucial time for you because this is not like how it was during the 90s. This is a completely different decade and a different society. Take a look at Colin Kaepernick. One small move, you'll never play professional sports again. You know, even though that his move was large and it started a big movement, what you're trying to do is not as large and you can end up on that back end where you're blackballed from the league. So we don't want that because everybody needs at least a good, a decent, decent Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is one of the best defenders. You need him on your team, but do you build around him? That is the question. Is he just a puzzle piece or is he the main piece? We will just have to, we'll just have to find out. We're going to wait around and find out. So stick with me right here on ball court. I'm going to take a quick little break. I will be right back. I want to make sure that y'all are understanding what's going on. We got some uh, commercials running up for a second. But stick with me. I'm going to tell you about a couple matchups that I want y'all to be ready for and looking for in the regular season coming up. That's going to be Coach's matchup right here on Ball Court. Hang around.
Basketball Court. I am your host, Coach Drew, and this is the world of basketball. All right, now, the NBA is going on to the 75th season, and 75 years of NBA basketball has been absolutely amazing to myself and my family. We've absolutely loved it. There's been some amazing things that we've seen during that time. But there is some key matchups that's taking place on a historical level that we have to focus on this season. First, I want to go ahead and jump into the Atlanta Hawks. Um, Atlanta Hawks are going to be playing the uh, Los Angeles Lakers on the 7th of January. Now, let me go ahead and um, kind of break down why that's important. All right? Well, the, the 7th of January, um, 1972, right? This is back in the day. Atlanta played... Um, the LA Clippers. Now, LA was on their thirty was on their thirty third victory in a row at the time, you know, and they completely demolished the Hawks. I'm talking one thirty four to ninety. Now, this is one of the biggest games in the NBA Bluetooth history. disconnected. What kind of, a streak of thirty three games in a row? That's just like absolutely phenomenal. So when you saw it, when that was actually being played out and you saw it, it was kind of like wow. It's iconic. So this uh, this coming up season, they're going to be playing. They're going to be matched up against each other. And, of course, with the roster that the Lakers have, we could very well see uh, another – we can see history taking place all over again, 134 to 90. I'm not taking away anything from Trey Young because I know that, you know, Ice Trey is Ice Trey. But this is going to be something big. And this is kind of like one of those games. It's like a throwback game. So – I'm looking forward to seeing it. I like to see the matchups, and I love to see matchups when they're, like, historical, such as another game that I want to see, Knicks versus 76ers. Now, anybody who grew up in the East Coast uh, with the early years of basketball, we we know, you know, because that's going to be on the Mar- March 2nd, by the way, right? But we know with the early years of basketball how great that rivalry was with the Philadelphia 76ers and the New York Knickerbockers. Now you sit here and you like, wow, New York Knickerbockers is a is a pretty decent team. Well, was a great team back then. So when they first against the Sixers, it was a matchup that we always loved. As a matter of fact, there was even some matchups with Dr. J playing against the Knicks that it was just like, wow, you know, it was on that level. Just and what they're gonna want to capture this year is a way to try and bring it back, you know. It's, it's, it's going to be a kind of like a little salute to the old school. Now, another one that we want to look at is the Toronto Raptors and the New York Knicks. I know you're saying, hey, Coach Drew, what are you talking about? We're talking about history here. 75 years of NBA, and why are you bringing up Toronto Raptors? They're a new team. They're babies. I know, but they're symbolic. Is actually symbolic of the first uh, NBA game played that was played against the Toronto Huskies versus the New York Knickerbockers. Now, this game is going to be played on November 1st, so definitely go ahead and check it out. That's coming up shortly, so that's one of the earlier games, so I definitely want to make sure that y'all get to the chance to see those, that one. Uh, that's going to be on NBA TV, so if you have your subscription, you know saying, so make sure that you have that up to date and you're checking it out. Here's the thing about it. The, the reason why it's such a historic game 
because, like I said, it emulates the first game of, of the NBA ever. So these are all games that's going to bring us back to history. See, one thing that I love about basketball, it has such a fascinating history. So when we take a look at uh, when we take a look at things like this, uh, the games that are coming up like this, you're you're kind of wrapped up in that history of who they are and what happened. You know what happened when the Huskies versus the Knickerbockers in that smoke-filled arena of uh, Madison Square Garden where you could barely see the score because of so much cigar smoke. And now we're at a point where if you are in the arena to watch the Toronto Raptors versus the New York Knicks, of course there is no smoking. But also you have to be vaccinated to be in attendance. Look how things have changed so much. Wow. That's amazing. I, I, I like the change. I like the change. But now we're going to go ahead and jump into another segment. Yes, it's called a coach's look, where the coach takes a closer look at certain things. And the one thing that I want to take a closer look, everybody who loves basketball, everybody who was watching basketball, this last week we saw the most phenomenal thing that we've ever seen since Kobe dropped 60 in his farewell game. Yes, I said what I said. Please at me if you feel, if you feel like you disagree. I'd rather you hit comments or tell me, but this is one of the most amazing performances I've seen. And it wasn't a 60-point game. It was Diana Taurasi dropping 37. 37 in a post-game in the WNBA. How'd she do it? Let me go ahead and break it down for you because I do have highlights for you, and I will run those highlights in just a second. But before we run those highlights, you take a look, and I'm going to show you as, I'm, I'm going to show you a good amount of points and buckets and how she was doing. She orchestrated, uh, she orchestrated that game in such a manner. It was Kobe-esque. It was definitely Kobe-esque. I'm talking turnaround, fadeaway three-pointers, hitting uh, short corner shots, all net, catch and release. It was absolutely amazing. Setting people up off of the pick and roll, hitting passes to Brittany Griner. She was on another level of basketball. And just to sit here and go ahead and explain it is tough enough. So go ahead and take a look at this video. All right, as you can see in the video, it starts off with her working around the pick beautifully, hitting, hitting uh, Brittany Griner. Great pass, great look. I like what I'm seeing here. Not to mention that she just hitting three after three after three getting around picks, getting around screens, uh, hitting, hitting shots that nobody else is hitting. As a matter of fact, the way the way that she went about this is just, it was like she emulated all of our favorite plays. She went eight for eight from the three-point range to emulate, you know, Steph Curry and look as beautiful as Steph Curry. It, at the end, after he hits the corner shot, where you can see, when you're going to see it, it's coming up in a second. You're going to see it right after she hits the corner shot, she hits the shoulder stroke just to show you I'll give a little bit of a nod to Michael Jordan, the turnaround three-pointers on the fadeaway, saying, hey, Kobe, you know, it's, it is, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal display. As a matter of fact, these highlights, I'm going to also post it directly on cwnsports.com. I want you to see it as well. I, I'm a, I am working currently on an article right now about it, so I definitely want you to go ahead and read about it, but she was amazing, absolutely amazing, so I had to take a quick coach's look into Diana Taurasi, 
And I want to go ahead and give a coach's statement about that as well. Anybody who's looking to figure out how to play this game of basketball and they want to know what is the right way of doing it, how do I do it, how do I work my teammates, and what shots do I look for, um, how do I put the ball on the floor in that nature, please watch this Diana Taurasi highlight film. It is it's textbook. You can't I, – I couldn't – I'm going to be honest with you. You could Dr. James Naismith just came down and said, I want basketball to be played, and you could not find a better example than Diana Taurasi. So, our GOAT of the day, and hands down one of the greatest players that I've ever seen to pick up a basketball, male or female, I have to say Diana Taurasi showed out. And here's the worst part about it. They did it against my favorite team, the Aces. So, it hurt me twice because I had I was sitting there and I'm rooting for DT to do what she does. And let me tell you, it hurt me to root against my aces. But it was such a phenomenal level of basketball. You can help but to just sit there and be like, wow, this is what it this is what it's all all means, you know? So let me go ahead and jump into the next topic. This is called a word from our coach. And if you actually listen to our show before you understand how I do this, a word from our coach is just a couple words that I'm going to give you at this point in time in a way to look at things if you are a basketball player and you're training to be on that next level. See, the problem that a lot of us have, especially uh, a lot of young basketball players, we sit in our rooms, dribbling the ball, practicing our shot, doing all of those things. And we feel that those things alone should get us to the next level. Let me go ahead and give you it from a coach's point of view. All of you are doing those things. Every player that's trying out for uh, every player that's trying out to make your team, your high school team, every middle schooler that's trying out, every uh, high, every college kid that actually plays the game, every NBA player thinks the same way. What's going to make you different? What's going to rise, rise above? Talent and shooting the ball is not the only thing that's important in basketball. One of the key things that I find to be important is being coachable. Now, let's understand what being coachable are, coachable is. Right? But, uh, coachability is all about the athlete's mindset. You understand? This is not something that you can... You can just sit there and say that, okay, well, I can hit threes and this. Being coachable is, uh, it, these are the few things that coaches look for. And the reason why I want to bring this up and it's really important during this time of year is right now we are looking at starting back high school basketball, middle school basketball, you know, college basketball is coming back. There's a lot going on. And a lot of kids want to make it to their next level. High, middle school kids want to play high school ball. High school kids want to play college ball. College kids want to join the NBA, NBL, the G League, or any other facet of pro basketball. So these are the things that we have to do. I'm going to give you a few little tips. To uh, These are the things that you got to make sure of to appear coachable. Number one thing is check your ego at the door. I tell my daughter this all the time. She trains to be, she wants to be the best one day. So she trains to be the best. But I tell her, your talents alone 
does not define you as the best. If true greatness is how well are you able to make others look great? How could, if you're that great, you should make other people great around you. So you have to check your ego at the door. It's not about you. It's about what you can contribute to the team. You understand? Now, another thing is, and this is the thing that gets me a lot. I notice that a lot of kids tend to look away from their coach when they're speaking to them. You'll see them in the huddle, and they're looking down, they're looking around, they're looking back at the score, they're looking over at the other team. Look your coach in the eye. When, it, when the coach is talking, look them directly in the eye. Now, this is not just being coachable. This is a life lesson. This is a matter of respect as well as accountability and a sign of maturity. Regardless of good or bad, if you do something that needs to be uh, reprimanded, or if you do something, if you get information passed, you have to show respect to the person who's giving you that information, or that's uh, trying to reprimand you. The reason is they're not reprimanding you out of anger; they're reprimanding you to help you be better. So look your coach in the eye when they speak, and be open-minded and humble when you're receiving that feedback. We can all get better. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, two weeks ago, I was able to sit in on a, uh, on, a, um, coaches, on a coach's workshop. Now, a lot of a few of the coaches that were in there were feeling like, well, I know what I'm doing. I've been coaching for 20 years. But even those coaches for 20 years sat in that workshop and were able to gain something from it. No matter what point you are in your career, you are always at that point when you can learn more. You can be better. Even a coach, even the NBA player, they have trainers. Even a high school college player, the number one college player in the country is in the gym all the time getting better. But the number one thing that you need to get better is you have to be open to that feedback. You have to be able to take criticism with a grain of salt. And that will allow you to be better. You have to have the willingness. You have to willingly implement that feedback. Take that feedback and say, hey, I'm going to put it into play. Right? You have to actively seek feedback from coaches. If no coaches are telling you something, find out what could you do better. How can I be better? How can I be, how can I be more? I find that there's a, a, a lot of girls that for the AAU club that I coach for, they do the same thing. They'll come out and they'll, they'll ask me, what can I do? I do to be better you know be a source of positivity and encouragement for your team coaches see that they don't want a headache in the locker room they want someone in the locker room that's going to actually give back and 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 show that they're part of this team that they are not just a part but the most intricate part of the team you know and i want you to demonstrate commitment to the team and to the game of basketball See, if you can follow those steps and go through those steps, you will appear as coachable. And that will carry you a long way in this game of basketball, but even a longer way in this thing we call life. You understand? So as your coach, and this is just a word from the coach, I want you to sit back and look at what you're doing, how you're doing, and think to yourself, as great as I am, am I coachable? And that is the thought process that we're going to leave you with today. Am I coachable? All right? I, I, I want to thank everybody for making this happen. Of course, CWN Sports, 
Go ahead and bookmark it, cwnsports.com. Check us out. Go to the site. We got some new things coming off. Like I said, I have an article that I am working on talking about Diana Taurasi. So look out for that. That is going to be released later on this week. Um, also, um, I definitely want you to go ahead and check out the different videos that we have. If you missed any of ball court in the last couple seasons and you say, hey, you know what? I want to catch back up. I want to hear how Coach Drew sounded before his voice was all raspy. You can go back and look into the archives, and it is right there. It is right there, as well as you're going to also see some great uh, great other shows that we do have, such as Let's Kick It. You definitely want to go ahead and jump on board with that. Once again, thank you, CWN Sports, for allowing me to do what I do and bring you just great content and as my promise to you, my audience, and I love y'all all so much, so as my promise to you, I will make sure that you'll be hearing my voice a lot more consistent in the future, and you'll be able to keep up on all your basketball news as well as take a coach's look at some of the greatest things that has taken place in the game of basketball. All right? I want to thank each and every one of you for listening, as well as I want you to go ahead and run if you can. Don't even bother. Don't drop the phone, though. Because I need you to run, go to your podcast, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's going to be Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Go ahead and check out Ball Court. Make sure that you subscribe and turn on those notifications because every time I drop a new one, every time I drop anything, I want to make sure that you're right on top of it and you're hearing the fresh new facts right when they're coming out my mouth. Just like that, like that. All right? So I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Keep us growing. We get there's some big things on the horizon. So if you don't think that you you listen to ball court enough, we're gonna find ways that you're gonna hear it a lot more. So once again, thank each and every one of you for listening to ball court. This has been the world of basketball. I'm your host, Coach Drew. I will see you next time. This is a CWN Sports Network presentation.